In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, we read this, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentile nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. What do you think he means by that? Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to explore some things that usually are not touched by pastors and preachers. This, I believe, is a very brief description of the rapture. It's our resurrection. It's our rising, as he is describing in here very briefly. But what's this darkness that will cover the earth? Is that just a spiritual darkness? Gross darkness, the people, he says in verse 2. So what's this gross darkness? I want to flip on over to uh, chapter 9 of the book of Revelation. Verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit. He didn't say ash, he said smoke, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened, why? By reason of the smoke of the pit. That's not spiritual smoke we're talking about, that's the real deal. Here's the way uh, Joel, the book of Joel, chapter 2, puts it. Blow the trumpet, this is verse 1, blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, and it is near at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. You think that's spiritual? No. As the morning spreads upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there has never been the like. Neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them... A flame burns. The land as the Garden of Eden was before them. Behind them is a desert or a desolate wilderness, and nothing shall escape them. I want to read that in the NLT. See if that's any different. Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Joel 2, sound the alarm. And this is, again, the New Living Translation. Sound the alarm in Jerusalem. Raise the battle cry on my holy mountain. Let everyone tremble and fear, because the day of the Lord is upon us. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. Suddenly, like dawn spreading up across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it has been seen before or will ever be seen again. Fire burns in front of them and flames follow after them. Ahead of them, the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden, but behind them is nothing but desolation. Not one thing escapes. 
They look like horses. They charge like or forward like war horses. Look at them as they leap along the mountain tops. Listen to the noise they make, like rumbling chariots, like the roar of fire sweeping across a field of stubble, or like a mighty army moving into battle. Fear grips all the people. Every face grows pale with terror. In verse 30, he says, And I will cause the wonders, or wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. Columns of smoke? That's interesting. The sun will become dark, and the moon will turn to blood, or turn blood red. Before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Hmm. Who survived Noah's flood? The ones the Lord had called and made righteous. He's the one that called them righteous. They were the only ones who survived the flood. Will the righteous be the only ones saved alive? And that's why we read such things as Matthew 24 and verse verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be in the future. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved alive. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Let's read that in the NLT. Verse 20 in the NLT version, Matthew 24 and pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be great anguish, greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Didn't Jesus say he would return at such a time that people didn't think it would be happening? At such a time as you think not, the Son of Man comes. In verse 42, he says, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Unquote. That's verse 44. Now, why would Christians not be expecting him? This is talking to Christians. He says, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. 
you must also be ready all the time, for the Lord, uh, the Son of Man will come when least expected. So the Jews and Christians, the faithful ones of the earth, will not be expecting him at that time. To me, that's pretty scary. It's scary because are we going to be raptured away before all the trouble starts on earth? If so, how are we in this position? How are we in that place where we're not expecting him? That's, that's kind of a mystery to me. But look what he says in uh, verse 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30 says, And then at last, at last, the sign of the Son of Man, that the Son of Man is coming, will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels out with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Unquote. Many people who study prophecy have stumbled over verse 29. They don't understand what's going on here. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars of heaven will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Let's go to Isaiah 13.10 for a second. Isaiah 13. And verse 10. In the NLT, here's how it reads. The heavens will be black above them, and the stars will give no light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will provide no light. I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their sin. I will crush the arrogance of the proud and the humble or and humble the pride of the mighty. I will make people more scarce than gold, more rare than the fine gold of Ophir. For I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move from its place when the Lord of heaven's armies displays his wrath in the day of his fierce anger. Everyone in Babylon will run like a haunted gazelle. A hunted gazelle, sorry. Like sheep without a shepherd, they will try to find their own people and flee into their own land. And you can read the rest. Now chapter 34 in verse 4. The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled up scroll. And like I've said before, that 
to me means what happens when you roll a scroll together? You can no longer read the words. The words disappear. They're gone. They're they're out of view. That's what disappear means to me. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a grapevine or shriveled figs from a fig tree. And when my sword has finished its work in the heavens, it will fall upon Edom, the nation I have marked for destruction. The sword of the Lord is drenched with blood and covered with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats and the fat of rams prepared for sacrifice. Yes, the Lord will offer a sacrifice in the city of Basra. He will make a mighty slaughter in Edom. In Amos chapter 8, verse 9, says this, In that day says the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is still day. I will turn your celebrations into times of mourning and your singing into deep or I'm sorry, into weeping. You will wear funeral clothes and shave your heads to show your sorrow as if your only son had died. How bitter that day will be. The time is coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread and water, or, or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Let's go back to Joel 2 for a second in verse 30 again. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. What are these columns of smoke? The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. Well, let me just explain how I understand this. A man and his wife came to see me and wanted to know what my take was on verse 29 of Matthew 24. Uh, the, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon will not give her light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Well, what does all that mean? That one verse is crucial. It's crucial to understand that. Here's something I think that might shed some light on this. Understand that the some areas in Iraq and Saudi Arabia and Iran and Yemen and Oman and um, all over the Middle East there are pools, not pools of water, pools of oil all around there, dotted here and there. They're out in the atmosphere today. Well, what happens if they battle it out over the spoils of Israel? Well, here's what would happen. We would have nuclear bombs going off all over the Middle East. Think about that. Is that going to be good for anybody? Answer, no, 
No, no, not at all. Israel will be, or uh, Jerusalem will be bombed. In my understanding, it's already being bombed. And then we've got Syria to the north. We've got Lebanon in between them a little bit. We've got Jordan as Israel's easterly neighbor and Egypt to the south. Saudi Arabia is just below that. And then all of the oil fields. Iraq is right next door and south of Turkey and east of Syria and east of Jordan and west of Iran. This is where I think the heart of the matter will lie, in Iraq, believe it or not. Now, Turkey will probably come down and fight, and also Russia with its troops giving support. That is, troops and um, war artillery and munitions. But it's about Israel. The whole thing is about Israel. Israel has become a major producer of oil and natural gas. Pipelines run through it, east and west and south and north. Well, Europe gets its natural gas through there. And who controls it? Well, that would be Israel. Israel. Well, somebody else may want to control that and get all that revenue and wealth. Russia certainly is not a happy camper about it. They want that strategic location. And so do many others in the area. Do you really think that Israel is going to take that lying down? That is, take the um, invasion of their land, the... Uh, attempt at taking over their land, just laying down their arms and saying, oh, okay, well, you, you go ahead and have it. We're, we're done. No, they're going to fight, and they're going to fight hard. And God said that um, it would be like a man trying to roll a big stone uphill. What happens? It falls on him. Everyone that tries to move that stone will be damaged. Check out Zechariah chapter 12, and starting in verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto the people round about them. There it is. When they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and Jerusalem, in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, sorely wounded. And though all the people of the earth be gathered against it, in that day, says the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his reader with madness, rider with madness, and I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. Now I want to read that in the NLT. Here's how it reads. Zechariah 12, verse 2. I will make Jerusalem an 
um, intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem, excuse me, Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. On that day, verse 4, says the Lord, I will cause every horse to panic and every rider to lose his nerve. I will watch over the people of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of their enemies. Now let's say you're on a horse or in a tank and you're trying to go through that area and you look out the window and you see nothing but these columns of smoke. What would you think then? Well, would you keep on going or would you lose your nerve? I'm not going in there. Are you kidding me? No way. I'm turning around. Well, he says that the horse would panic and the rider lose his nerve. Why? Why would the horse go blind? He says, I will blind all the horses. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, these horses will lose their ability to see. It's just that they can't see through that smoke. It's black. It's black. He said he would darken the whole earth, remember? Wow. Well, that could very well be why the horses or the tanks, you can't see through that black smoke. I mean, it's black. Now, why is it black? Well, it's burning oil. Burning oil. Isaiah 34, verse 9, says this in the NLT. The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch. What's burning pitch? Well, it's asphalt. It's tar. It's oil. The ground will be covered with fire. No wonder the horse and the rider can't see anything. The smoke is blinding them. It's blocking any light. Now, why then would the horse panic and, um, and the rider lose his nerve? Well, because it's so ugly and scary. Let's go to Luke 21. In verse 25, this is a matchup with uh, Matthew 24, 29. But here's how it puts it in the NLT. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring of the seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand up and look. Look up, for your salvation is near. That's when the rapture occurs. After all of these things, it's dark outside. All of the stars have fallen from heaven. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stars are suns like our sun. They cannot fall. They cannot fall. 
But the satellites look like stars. When you look out at night and you see a moving star that's gradually traveling across the sky, that's a satellite. There are some 22,500 of them out there. I'm here to say they're all coming down. Every last one is going to fall to the ground. Why do I say that? Well, if the smoke blocks the radio signals that keep them in orbit, which it certainly would, can you imagine radioactive smoke all over the earth? God said he would darken the earth. Well, that could be how. But they are controlled with substations all over the earth in every country, or at least on every continent. But there are engineers that go to work every day to try to keep those satellites up there, to try to keep them in orbit. There are retro rockets on board, each and every one of them. They have to be serviced. They have to be taken care of, sometimes taken offline, but they should last for 10 years or so. But anyway, once they get up there, that's what keeps the Internet alive. That's how you hear my voice. But the powers of the heavens are going to be shaken. Well, what happens when everything's out of balance? And why would it get out of balance? Well, if you can imagine these fires heating up the atmosphere, you talk about global warming, that's real. That's real global warming. There has to be a reason for it to heat up. Well, that'll be a very, very good reason because it'll burn at millions of degrees. Ancient Babylon is going to go down. Just read the 50th chapter, 50, 51, and 52 of Jeremiah, and you'll learn all about it, right down to the nitty-gritty details. In uh, verse 45, God says this, Listen to the Lord's plans against Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Verse 46, The earth will shake with a shout. Babylon has been taken. Now, what does that sound like? Have you ever heard that before? Revelation 18 and verse 17. For in one hour, so great riches has come to nothing. Every shipmaster and all the company of ships and sailors, as many as trade by the sea, stood afar off. Why? Because they saw the smoke of her burning. Look at verse 18. And cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads. Well, who does that? Well, the people of the Middle East. And they cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness or her value. Well, that's oil. That's exactly what it is. It's oil. For in one hour she's made desolate, Rejoice over her, O heavens, and holy saints, and apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. 
Let's read that in the NLT in in, uh, verse 20. And you can read chapter 18 all the way through. It talks all about the destruction of Babylon. Anyway, I got to go, but suffice it to say that the uh, the whole earth is going to shake. And anyway, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. We're going to have to pick this up next time, but don't despair. God is in control, and he is bringing a brand new world for all of us. And that's the great day we're looking forward to. So I hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on... Bible Prophecy Radio.